0: Okay, we're doing a new study. We started last week on the Ten Commandments. And uh, we're going to begin uh, commandment number two today. But uh, just for a second, I had a question show up in the box, and I'm going to answer this question. shouldn't take too long, and then we'll get started. Uh, we talked about last week the focus on only one God and he said, "I want no other gods before me." And that was commandment number one: no other gods. And I mentioned that uh, name that was used as Jehovah. And somebody put a question in the box which says, uh, "Are there other names for God like Abba or Yahweh?" And, and the word Abba. Uh, means father. Actually, it's a little more personal. You understand when you're translating a language, it's hard to get it, just what it is. And so if we were going to translate Abba and we just said father, that might not quite catch the meaning. And probably you you say the word dad or daddy, uh, something more personal. And uh, we're told that we can we've been adopted into God's family, we can say Abba, Father, or my special uh, father, all right, that's certainly a name for God, I mentioned the name Jehovah as a name for God, and they put in their question uh, Yahweh as a name for God, too, and people use these words all the time. I'm just going to try to explain. Jehovah and Yahweh are names for God, and <clears throat> they come from the original text where they were written. You understand that you weren't supposed to say God's name out loud. You were to treat God with very deep respect, and you don't just say his me. It's too holy to say and so the names for uh, God, like Jehovah and Yahweh are names that they're trying to go from the original language to get to something that we can think about. And they can't quite translate it. And number one, one of the main reasons there were no vowel or no consonants, uh, it was all vowel how do you say it? Just a bunch of vowels. So, well, they weren't supposed to say it, so you didn't have to worry about it. <laughs> so the name that they gave God was basically unspeakable. So if they're going to write about it, they've got to say, well, how we got to do something? And so they put some Yah, Ho, They in there, put some consonants in, so you could say it. And the same thing with Yahweh, those are unspeakable names. God has a lot of names. We have uh, Jehovah Jireh, we call God who supplies. Uh, Jehovah Rapha, God who sees me. All right, these are names for God. And God, even the name God the Son and God the Father are names that God is trying to get you to understand who God is. All right, and so he's calling God the Father and God the Son. Why? Because they're both same and yet not the same. And so uh, even language fails is what I'm trying to say. Language fails to try to uh, talk about the names of God. So yeah, those are names of God. that are made that way because in the original languages you weren't supposed to say it. Out loud. Now, we're going with the Ten Commandments, and people will say, well, these are sort of relics from the past, and 5,000 years ago, Moses gets up on the mountain talks to God, and God carves in stone these Ten Commandments, and so that was for another generation, another time, this is just a relic from the past. Let me get you straight on that. right right today, right now get it straight nothing God said ever ran out of its value if God said it, it's good forever alright, you can't say, well, God was talking to somebody else, that's not who God is, he is the ultimate communicator, and Jesus Christ is called the word because he's communicating the mind of God, he comes down here to tell us what God is like. Nothing he said ever was archaic. Nothing God said ever say, well, that's, that kind of ran out of time. It's not of any use. Everything God said is useful, and we talked about the first commandment last week. I also have no other gods, and the exclusivity that God expects When we approach it. Alright, now we go to Exodus chapter 20, where our text is. We start with the second commandment in verse 4. So, Exodus 20, verse 4. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above, that is in the earth below, that is in the water under the earth shalt not bow thyself down to them nor serve them for I the Lord thy God am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children the third and fourth generation of them that hate me and showing mercy to thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments and so God says no graven images first one was no other God number two is we are going to make no images he calls them graven because they're going to be back that time carved on wood, carved out of stone, carved out of brass or whatever, they're going to carve something and say there's God, alright and he says here specifically he mentions three things, he mentions the air and he mentions uh, the land he mentions the sea. He says, I don't want graven images, I don't want you to form any kind of a god from the air, from the land, and from the sea. And God understands the human heart, certainly, because uh, when you think about the sea, of course you think about a fish. Did anybody ever make a fish god? Yeah, you know, I've talked many times about Dagon, the Philistine god. He's what? Half fish, his head, and half man. All right? In other words, you got fish for brains. All right? You don't want a god with fish for brains. All right? And so there's Dagon. He was a Philistine god. Uh, and in the land, of course, we got cows and bulls. And the Egyptians had their god, Horus, who was half man and half Bull once again the brains are a bull. And if you any of you ever been around a bull, you know they're not overladen with brains. Okay. <laughs> so you got a cow's head and why? Why do they do it? And then there are certainly those who have eagles, all right? And they made dogs that look like eagles. The Egyptians had those things. And God mentions those three things. Uh, he says you're bound to make a god out of something like that. Why? Why would you do that? Well, there's an attempt on your part to degrade God. Right? And that's what he says. There's people, he says, who hate me. Why are they making a fish god? <laughs> there's my opinion of God. He's got fish for brains. That's right, my opinion. So, generally, an attempt to degrade God, and he says the knife. we say, "Well, in the Old Testament, they did that, uh, but you know, usually God's people. Oh, yes, they did. When Moses is up getting these Ten Commandments from God, comes down off the mountain. What did they make? A golden calf from. The land, and they said, "What? Well, Here's the God that brought us out of Egypt." And they pointed to that golden calf, and that's when Moses said, "Smash the Ten Commandments!" Went back up to talk to God some more, and uh, you know that seems to be. You say, "Well, that's kind of an Old Testament idea. People don't do that anymore. We don't make graven images anymore." or do we? I remember when we were first starting before we looked at this building somebody said to me, the little Catholic church down the road uh, is for sale if you want it. I said, well, I'll go over and check it out. So I went to a service in there. And, <laughs> uh, it was an unusual experience. Uh, I knew everybody in the church. Those are my neighbors, people who lived right around there. And these are all regular good old conservative people. I knew everybody except for the preacher. And he was talking about the barbarian conservatives who blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, that's what all these people are. Why do you call them barbarians? And, but the thing that <laughs> made me chuckle Because he stood up in the front. And on that side, he had two big old statues. And on this side, there was three. So there was five statues on a stage as big as he was. And I'm thinking, if I'm ever going to stand there, they got to go. I'm not going to have them there. And you say, well, they just... Well, it depends on how you treat that little statue. Do you think that if you kiss its hand or something that you've done something I wouldn't say it was so unusual in these days uh, for people to make a graven image anymore and so what is this commandment what's God trying to say say, well don't make any images well I think it's more than that and that's where we got to go with these we got to go below the surface to get down what is God saying that's gonna apply to us today you can't say well it's just for Moses time no 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 God doesn't speak in archaic terms he's up to date and so he wants us to know something too so he says you're not to make anything that's grave, and there has any likeness. And so, what's his point of view? Uh, I would say that God just wants you to think never in, in material ideas, never, but you always think of spiritual connection between us and God. John chapter 4. John's gospel, chapter number 4. Let's take a look there. Jesus will explain this to us very clearly. (coughs) He's talking to the woman at the well. John chapter 4, verse 23. The hour cometh and now is... When true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Or that is, we never ever approach God as some sort of material thing some sort of idea is we approach God as a spirit that means you have a spirit you have a soul inside of you is an inner person that happens to be connected to a body right now someday they'll throw my body over in the dirt the next road over and I'll be free of this thing all right I'm okay with that (laughs) that sounds great Uh, But uh, there's a spirit in it. And he says, when you're talking to God, when you're communicating with God, he's a spirit. He says here, God is a spirit. Doesn't say God has a form because if he's a spirit, he doesn't have a form. (laughs) He said he's a spirit, and now you're going to communicate to him with your spirit. Your inner person is going to talk to a spirit, and that's how we want you to approach God. So don't ever come to God and say, well, you know, uh, here's here's your statue. And and so we say, well, should we have any statue? Well, there's a picture of Jesus right up there doesn't hurt to think about that manger and what went on there. Right? But you you didn't blow the kiss where you left, did you? I, didn't. I look at it, and I think, wow, that's really quite a thing, that he's born in a stable with cows looking over the fence. And, and it helps us to think, but it's the way that we treat things that's really important. Right? And so we have to learn that God is never to be conceived of as material, but always to be conceived of as spirit. And Jesus says, here's the way it's supposed to work. You're supposed to approach your spirit to God's spirit. The way that worship him must worship him in spirit. Inside of you is where you worship God. All right? Now, uh, that gives us a thought about this. Uh, and Jesus says, look, look, just back a couple verses. Uh, verse 20, John 4. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour cometh, when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet in Jerusalem worship the Father. Now they were on Mount Gerizim, and that's where uh, the Samaritans worshiped. Uh, Mount uh, Gerizim. And she said, Well, this is where we worship, and you worship in Jerusalem. Jesus said, Nah. Uh, the day is coming when your mountain isn't going to work and where my mountain isn't going to work either so why would you connect to God a place (coughs) you're supposed to worship him in spirit (coughs) and then you're going to say well I can worship in Jerusalem or I can worship in Mount Gerizim Or I can worship in East Shelby. Something wrong with that, see? So if you assign to God a place, is that a material thing? Yeah, it is. So what if you say, well, I can worship God in Jerusalem. And what if you say I can worship God in East Shelby? Well, we hope that that's true. But if you think that a place is where you worship God, then what can you do? I can get away from God. Mm -hmm. Let me guarantee you there have been people who attended here who won't come back because they thought they've escaped God. Yeah? We go over to East Shelby, and they talk about God all the time, and singing and all that, and we don't have to. We can get away from that. Just stop coming. There, we got rid of God. No, they didn't get rid of it. Not for one second, because God is not tied to a material place. Not Jerusalem. Not East Shelby. So we get the concepts in our minds, uh, that more than just a material carving, it's a material place, or it's an outward form of some kind. An Old Testament sacrifice. They say we come, we bring our lamb in, and we give the sacrifice. If you don't approach God in your spirit and say, God, I'm here to make a sacrifice for my sins, you can go up there, kill a thousand lambs, and walk away and never contact God. And that's what God said. That's why God said in the Old Testament, I hate your sacrifice. I hate them. He said, they stink. It's supposed to be a smell that went up to God and was pleasing. He said, it stink. I hate it. Why? Because they didn't have any reality between their heart and God when they made the sacrifice. They thought that an outward right, we can sacrifice it down there. We took care of God. He's like, we come to church on Sunday morning, we're all set. We don't really have to think about God or talk to God. We can just walk away. Get away from him for a while. (laughs) No, 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 no. Jesus is explaining to the woman, at the well, not even Jerusalem. That's not the way it works. He said, uh, there's no outward approach to God that you can do that's sufficient. And so he says, no carvings, no material things. When you come to me, I want you to come, first of all, there's nobody but me. I am exclusively God. And so get it in your mind. You're going to come to me. Second thing, make sure it's from inside your heart, and you're going to connect with God. You're going to find a personal conversation with God, and that's how you're going to connect. And so what are the Ten Commandments? Well, the first four are instructions. I want you to come to me. I want you to worship me. So get it in your mind who I am and then get it in your mind that I am not connected with this idol, that bull or that fish or that pew. Not that pew either. That's not going to do it. So there's an inner sense. Now, where does that take us? Psalm 139. Psalm 139, one of the great Psalms of David. When you read this, now you get it in your head a little bit better. When you're dealing with God, you're going to approach God, you're going to talk to God and deal with Him, there's some things you've got to get in your head. Just watch this and think about this as we read a few verses. Psalm 139. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Search who? Your heart, your inner being. Thou knowest my down sitting, my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down are acquainted with all my ways. You watch me every minute of every day, everything I do. There's not a word in my tongue, O oh Lord, that thou knowest it all together. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thy hand upon me. So if I take a step ahead, there's God. If I take a step back, he's God. As a matter of fact, if I just stand here, I got you. He's got us such knowledge is too wonderful for me it is high I cannot attain t- unto it whither shall I go from thy spirit or whither shall I flee from thy presence how can I get away from God if I ascend up to heaven thou art there if I make my bed in hell behold thou art there if I go to heaven I say God's there if I go to hell God's there I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. Even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. I can't get away from God. So everywhere I think I can go, if I, mean, I even went to hell, See, when I go to hell, God's not the. whole yes, He is. He's there, in all of His justice. And all of his anger poured out against sin is down there. And he's there, too. He's everywhere. And so I am going to communicate with a person. It doesn't matter where I am. It doesn't matter what pew I sit in. It doesn't matter if I bow down to that foolish idol or whatever. He said, that is never going to be the thing. It's going to be you and me talking together, our heart and God's spirit working together. And that's how we approach God, and that's how we worship God. And so uh, this second commandment is pretty good, pretty clear, that uh, God is never to be approached as anything material. Remember, he is spirit. And Jesus said it the best. If you're going to worship him, it's going to take your heart, your soul, your inner Man to reach God, and you can never sit in a pew. It? I know there's people who sit in pews all the time and never think of a thing about God. I hope that's not any of us, okay? But I know all over the world there's people who sit in pews and never think of God at all, never think of communicating to God and even repeating prayers. And people repeat over and over and over and over. God must get bored out of his mind. He must think, oh, don't say that again. Please, you've been saying that for years. Uh, He wants to talk with us. And our spirits come together. Us and God. So that it can happen anywhere. Now, you can make it happen here. It can happen right here in that pew. You can do that. You can connect with God there. I hope you do. I hope you do. When you're singing certain songs and they come to your mind and you just think of what God does, and sometimes I have to stop singing. I love to sing, but I have to stop as I just think of what God, just that song, said something. You know, oh, Thank you. He's right there. He's right there. I never was in a place where I couldn't find him. I never was in a place where I couldn't talk to him. There's no such place. He's everywhere. And so in the commandment, God is reaching out, not just telling you, don't carve an image. He's trying to tell us more than that. This is who I am. I am exclusively God, commandment number one. And I want to talk to your heart, number two. Right now we've got two more, number three and four, that are going to teach us a little bit more about ourselves and God. Right? Not for 5,000 years ago. Really good for today. We'll go on next week with commandment number three. Thank you. <laughs>